All right, welcome today to our course on the book of 1 Corinthians. And we're going to read a little bit of scripture today and give a brief introduction of sorts to the book of Corinthians. And we're going to talk about basically the overall scope of the book and and the main topics that we'll be discussing as we go through here. And there is one overarching subject in regards to the book of Corinthians. And so we'll read a few verses of scripture and then we'll get into that. Most of our classes here in the book of Corinthians will be somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 minutes. And we'll try not to go too far over and too far under that. So 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, uh, verse number 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. And Sosthenes our brother unto the church of God which is at Corinth. To them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. Now, uh, back to verse 1 for just a second. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother. So Paul, the letter is from Paul, and Sosthenes is involved in the production of this uh, manuscript. And so he uh, words it that way. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, he says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. And this verse of scripture here, chapter 3, verse 1, sets the stage for the whole book of, of Corinthians. And it's going to be talking to Christian people, not lost people, but Christian people in regards to their standing and state. Now, if you trust in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins, then you are placed into the body of Christ, and that's a class for another day. But in that case, Paul says, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father. Salvation is the only way to receive that peace. Now, it's a very interesting concept here uh, that really opposes all other uh, uh, religions on the planet. And this idea of carnal people. Now in chapter 3 he said, I want to teach you some spiritual things, but you're carnal. And I can't teach you the things that I ought to until I can get you to see that there is a carnal mindset and a spiritual mindset. Now the spiritual mindset comes from being saved. That is your, that is your standing. When Christ saved you, you are a son of God. But you could be a prodigal son or you could be a faithful son. And that, de- that defines your state, the, your state of being. And the book of Corinthians deals with these things and defines these things uh, from, a, from a Christian standpoint, from a biblical standpoint, and gives us the mindset that we do have a spiritual life that is greater than a carnal life and more productive than a carnal life and more... Uh, it contains more joy than the carnal life, and it, it ought to be the aspiration of every believer. And what a great blessing it is that we can be saved and uh, and have our sins forgiven, but also, in in a sense, 
It's also a great blessing to me, being a man that lives and dwells in the flesh himself, it's a great blessing to me to know that God is so graceful and so merciful that we could be, uh, we shouldn't be, but we could be, uh, we could find ourselves living in such a way that's considered carnal rather than spiritual we could be doing less than our best for christ we could be doing less than we ought to be doing for christ but the minister of christ still greet us with with such a positive affirmation as grace be unto you and peace from god our father and from the lord jesus christ it is a true picture of grace and then paul says i thank my god always on your behalf now i know as a pastor myself and i know many other pastors sometimes certain members can live in such a way that uh, sometimes leads you to uh, despair or to uh, lose hope in and perhaps what the ministry is producing in their lives. And sometimes you could even grow bitter at uh, a member of the congregation or a member of the church. You believe they're saved because you believe their profession of faith, but you just don't ever seem to think uh, that they're going to be profitable for Christ or profitable for the work of the ministry. But here Paul says that these people with whom he has very many disputations, very many disagreements. He says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. So we can be thankful that God has saved people, even if we're not thankful for the lifestyle that they are living or for their lack of development as Christians. And to me, this is always going to go back to Romans chapter 1, which I think ought to be the theme of every ministry and, and the theme of every minister. He says in chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, verse 11, For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. So the Christian minister's attitude is not, I want you to see me and I want you to hear me. The Christian minister's attitude ought to be, as it says in verse 11, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. And a Christian minister can have that attitude with the assurance that God is going to impart unto him his spiritual needs and his physical needs, carnal needs. Now, since that is the the theme of the book of of first corinthians and i'm in romans now so let me move back over to first corinthians since since the theme of first corinthians is uh, to point out the the mindset the perspective of the spiritual contrasted against the physical or carnal we have to really define what carnal means carnal does not mean wicked although carnality will certainly lead you to indulge in the physical things which will certainly turn into wickedness at some point but the word to be uh, to be carnal doesn't mean necessarily wicked it just means and <clears throat> pardon me it just means physical it means normal it means average when you're talking about something that's carnal it's the natural or physical way of looking at things looking at things from a physical standpoint based on 
man's wisdom based on man's experience and man's wisdom and man's experience is not going to uh, work the righteousness of God it's not going to give you a correct perspective because most of the time uh, carnality generally deals with self-preservation and self-preservation is although we would all like to be preserved for as long as we possibly can in every way that we possibly can, self-preservation is uh, opposed to Christianity. It's opposed to the work of Christ, the life of Christ. Everything that Christ did evidently was for the benefit of those that he was ministering to. And along with his ministry to men, he also gave them a heavy dose of uh, this is why you're coming short. This is why you can't. Uh, do as you need to do you're just unprofitable servants and and basically that is the uh, the consensus of the book of corinthians the book of corinthians is in total agreement with the life and ministry and teachings of christ and so when he talks about in chapter number three he said uh, and i brethren could not speak unto you uh, as unto spiritual but as unto carnal even as unto babes in christ so the first days the early days of your salvation ought to be spent under as much teaching and as much preaching and as much prayer and reading of the word of god as you possibly can because you're a babe you need christian nourishment for christian development and so paul says i can't i can't speak to you as unto spiritual people but um, but i'm speaking to you like you were babies because you're carnal. He said, I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. But remember, chapter 1, he says, I thank God for you. He says, uh, he blesses them with the word, with the grace of God, grace and peace be unto you. So the, the, the idea of carnality doesn't mean you're lost. It just means you're looking at things from a fleshly viewpoint, a physical viewpoint, from the viewpoint of man's wisdom or man's understanding. In verse number 3 of chapter 3, he says, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? So he's saying that these men's preferences are, are the, uh, the workings of a carnal mind. Man's preferences are the working of a carnal mind. Now, in chapter number 1, 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, this is verse 11, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Now there's some definite personalities mentioned there in that passage of Scripture, and he's using this illustration to prove that they're looking at things from a carnal standpoint rather than a spiritual standpoint. Now the Bible says about Paul, he says he's rude in speech. And about Apollos, it says he was an eloquent man. We'll see that in just a minute over in Acts chapter number 18. So he says, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? 
The obvious answer is no. Was Paul crucified for you? The obvious answer is no. Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? The, the answer is no. None of these things. But what you see is, is you have Paul, a rude man. He's rude in speech. You have Apollos. He is an eloquent man. Cephas is a man who's a very good speaker and he's a true speaker. He preaches the truth. He tells the truth. But he is more of a speaker than he is really a, uh, a man of dedication. Now, I'm not saying that Simon Peter is not dedicated. He had a great deal of dedication. But he also had a fleshly side that, that caused him not to have the strength of his convictions in many, many cases. Paul rebukes him for that. Uh, he also had that problem when, uh, when Christ was being in, interrogated uh, by the world. And then, you know, Paul, uh, Simon Peter denied the Lord three times. He was very close with Gentile believers until Jewish believers showed up. And then he withdrew, withdrew himself and Paul rebuked him for that. So uh, Cephas was a talker. There's no question about that. You can read your Bible and see that. You can see that very clearly. Paul was a very demonst- uh, excuse me, uh, Cephas, Simon Peter was a very uh, demonstrative speaker and, and obviously was able to uh, speak very well because he had very he had very good responses when he did uh, speak, when he did preach, when he did witness. And he was a man of power. He had God's power upon him. The signs of an apostle were present in his life. So he was a powerful man. He was a a great speaker and a great preacher. But in the face of opposition, he was just a little on the weak side. And there's many of us that way. He said, I am, uh, and he says, some of you say, I am of Christ. Well, of course, that's true. But when somebody says, I'm of Christ, what they mean is that they don't want a physical man to tell them what to do, how to do, when to do. Uh, people are very independent minded. And, and there's no doubt that we have a great reverence for liberty, but we certainly don't have a great reverence for liberty at the expense of Christianity or at the expense of. Uh, men who hold offices that God gave them, offices that uh, that uh, have the responsibility of leading and, and guiding. Uh, and many people will not have somebody else lead them and guide them. Well, that's because they are carnal. They're not looking at things from a spiritual standpoint. One will say, I'm of Paul because he likes the rude kind of speech. Maybe a, a Dr. Ruckman type or maybe a Jack Hiles type or a Carl Lackey type. Some people like that. And then you have Apollos. Uh, he has a, uh, a very eloquent, a very eloquent mannerism, a very eloquent uh, ability to speak. He's a very educated man. He came up from uh, Alexandria, which was a center of learning in Egypt. And so he was, uh, but he was converted and he was very knowledgeable in the scripture. And when we look over in in, uh, chapter 18, well, matter of fact, let's do that. Let's look at Acts chapter number 18. And so what you get is these people that are judging not by, they're judging what they like and what they'll allow and the kind of preaching they'll hear and the kind of ministry they'll attend because of 
the way a man speaks or the way a man carries himself or uh, the way a man speaks in regard to uh, uh, the amount of bravado that he has in his voice or or the amount of eloquence that he has in his voice God said that that is not a spiritual way to look at it there may be a very rude person uh, from the viewpoint of the world might be he might just be disciplined he might just be wise he might have wisdom and will worship and lay things on the line and be honest and not be afraid of of the offense to the world or the offense to uh, carnal Christians. And uh, there may be people who love that, that would listen to him and wouldn't listen to an eloquent, well-educated man. But in uh, chapter number 18, Paul's ministry is at Corinth. And down in verse 24, it says, A certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. Being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So in the progression of the Christian doctrine, he was not quite up to speed. But... It says he began to speak boldly in the synagogue whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. So this man and woman taught this great speaker, this great preacher. He knew the Lord. Now listen, he wasn't uh, uh, teaching a false doctrine. He wasn't mighty in a false doctrine. He was just mighty in a doctrine that that has, hadn't been developed beyond uh, the life of Christ. He was still dealing with the ministry of John. And what a an amazing thing that the ministry of John had reached down into Alexandria, Egypt. And no doubt Paul runs into some people in Acts chapter 19 that were also still preaching the preaching that John the Baptist preached. But he says here, here that uh, Aquila and Priscilla heard and they took uh, him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Now, it's, this is an amazing story. Chapter number 18 in Acts, you have Paul coming to Corinth. He runs into Aquila and Priscilla in verse number 2. These people had come to Corinth from Rome because that uh, Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome. And so these people ended up in Corinth because they were expelled. Paul shows up in Corinth and begins to preach to them. Then Paul's ministry uh, at this point comes to an end in Corinth and he moves on to Ephesus. He takes Priscilla and Aquila with them from Corinth to Ephesus. At Ephesus, they run into Apollos. They teach Apollos, Aquila and Priscilla, teach Apollos, and then Apollos ends up uh, ministering at Corinth because the book of Corinthians tells you that there was a great number of people there that had separated themselves, uh, in a sense, denominationally to follow the manners and methodism of Apollos. And that would be no doubt at all. If Apollos was an eloquent man and he had a, a great style and he had a great education, the carnal folks 
at Corinth would certainly gravitate to a person like that. They would gravitate to uh, somebody who was uh, very mouthy. And I don't say that with any disrespect. It's just, a, it's just a personality trait. Some people are mouthy and some people are not. And Simon Peter was a mouthy apostle. And he spoke a lot and he was a very boisterous man. Anybody that reads the Bible can see that. I'm not saying that with disrespect. I, I have... Uh, carnal flaws and you have carnal flaws and so did Simon Peter and so did Paul and so did the rest of these men but men who look at things from a carnal standpoint will gravitate to those things some people like the rude but some people like the eloquent some people like the the dynamic and I would probably say that if uh, if Simon Peter was boisterous and and loved to speak and loved to talk, he was probably a very dynamic, uh, charismatic individual. And I mean charismatic in the sense of a personality trait, not a religious viewpoint. Uh, but at any rate, that so you see, it would seem to me like just looking at things from the from the carnal viewpoint that you know a man born in Corinth might preach at Corinth and a man born at Ephesus might preach at Ephesus and a man born in Tarsus or lived in Tarsus for the greatest part of his life might be a minister there and God would use people where they are but that's often not the case because God doesn't see things from that viewpoint and God sees things from a spiritual standpoint and God said about that subject and about that topic he says a prophet is not without honor. In other words, he does have honor. He's not without honor saving his own country. So God will move people around. God will move people to a place uh, where they can have the, the, best, uh, the best ministry, the best influence. God knows how to do what he's doing. God's been uh, ordering and arranging things, which means dispensation, by the way. But God has been ordering and arranging his uh, his universe for a long time. He knows what he's doing. He bought us with the price and he, he knows how to and has the right to shift people around and have them do different things and great things and small things uh, according to his own will. God knows these things. And, and so Paul starts off his, his book here to the Corinthians. And let me get back over there. But he, he begins it just that way, dealing with the will of God. What I'm doing... I'm doing because of the will of God. And so he says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. So this is, uh, this is, it, this is instruction for a carnal church, but it is instruction for the church nonetheless. The carnal church is as much a member of the church of God, the Ephesians chapter 4, one body of Christ, which is his uh, which is the church according to first uh, Ephesians chapter number one, Ephesians chapter one. So unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, it's not a, it's not a higher class of church or a lower class of church or a reprobate church or a true church. That's not, that's not it at all. If you're saved, you're in the body of Christ. And in one local church here in America, there may be a representative, uh, spiritually speaking, uh, typically speaking, there may be a member of Corinthian church and an Ephesian church 
and a Philippian church, uh, the church at Philippi, the Philippian, the, uh, the book of Philippians, the book of Philippi, uh, the book of Philippians, the people of the people of Philippi. Amazing how hard it is to say Philippi. But that church was a very good church. It was a model church as well as I believe the Thessalonian church was a model church in, in a lot of ways. But all of these people belong to the church. There is one body according to the book of Ephesians. And so that body contains all the believers that have ever believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. They're a part of that body. They are a part of the body of Christ. And some of us are more, the Bible says about a body, it says some parts are more comely than the other. And the head cannot say to the feet, I have no need of thee. Well, in the biblical sense, the head of the church is Christ. The feet may be the most... uh, uncomely part of the body but the head cannot say to the feet I have no need of thee you need your whole body you need your whole body if God made you with a part you need that part if the modern scientists say that you know some of your parts are are not necessarily and you don't really need those just don't pay attention you need every part of your body and as many of your body parts can be preserved uh, that would be to your Uh, That would be to your uh, advantage. And so it's an advantage to the church for it to have all of its parts, all of its people uh, in work and order. Of course, some have gone on to be with the Lord, but that's why the Lord saves more people and instructs and guides more people into the way of a spiritual life. And that is what the book of Corinthians is all about. That's the... That is the direction that the book of Corinthians is going to take us in, teaching us not just in our day-to-day lives, but in our our spiritual. When I say day-to-day, we ought to have a spiritual day-to-day life. But he's not just going to use uh, everyday carnal things, but he's going to use the doctrines of the Bible and tell us how to look at those from a spiritual standpoint. He's going to take the things that a man ought to do uh, in regards to... uh, the nation of Israel and in regards to their own husbands and wives, their children. And he's going to teach us how to look at those things from a spiritual standpoint rather than a carnal standpoint. Now, again, let me say once more that the word carnal does not mean sinful. It just means natural and physical and the normal way of looking at things from a man's standpoint, from a man's experiences. For example, paying your bills is a carnal is a carnal thing. Looking at it as a carnal thing, looking at it from a carnal viewpoint, uh, you pay it if you got it. I mean, if you can't make your bills, man, there's uh, uh, there's a lot at stake there. Your, your reputation, your testimony, there's a lot of things there. But just looking at it from a physical standpoint, well, if I got it, I got it. And I, if I don't have it, I can't do it. What can I do? But looking at that from a spiritual standpoint, you'd say, well, I have to protect my testimony and I have to uh, make sure that Christians are known as principled people and godly people and orderly people. And I've got to do what I can to make my bills good when they're due. And then, uh, of course, over and above all of that is to owe no man anything. And so a Christian can certainly and could certainly uh, get to that point, but it you would have to. I can speak from experience that you'd have to erase a whole lot of carnal outlook in order to get there. It's not unattainable, but it certainly is. It certainly is uh, 
uh, noteworthy. It certainly is praiseworthy if you could get to that point. But I, I say all that to say this, that uh, many things that you do on a regular basis, you eat, you nourish the body, you go to work, you earn money to pay your bills and provide your children, your wife, and or whatever the case might be, uh, a place to live, a place to survive, a place to thrive. Those are all carnal things. You, must, you get married, you have children. Those are all carnal things, and those carnal things can all go to the extremes uh, uh, to be perversion or excess or immodest uh, so all those things can be done when you of course when we say immodest that usually thinks of people not being dressed correctly but modesty involves so much more than that and modesty uh, revolves around spirituality and uh, uh, for example a man that's unspiritual might feel like he has to have two thousand dollar suits and another might uh, have some shamefacedness about him and just get a, a a regular, you know, suit to wear to church or wear to decent functions and things like that. And he wouldn't dare to be so worried about his appearance that uh, that he would uh, uh, try to have people believe that he's arrived and and become a success because he can afford a $2,000 suit and flaunt it and, you know, show off and all that. That's immodest. And also a man that can get up in the morning and take a shower and and uh, uh, put on his regular attire, uh, not talking about eccentricity, I'm just talking about put on his normal attire and go about his daily business uh, dressed for the occasion of the day, if that's digging ditches or climbing telephone poles or whatever the case might be, that's from that aspect, from that topic, that's modest. A uh, man that get up and put on torn clothes when he can, uh, when he can have decent clothes, are torn clothes indecent? Yes, they are. It's not decent. Uh, put on clothes that covers his body and makes him look decent and orderly that's that's the right thing to do and uh, looking at that that's modest and modesty uh, is going to be conducive to spirituality and spirituality is going to be conducive to modesty Uh, I'm going to do what I want to and I'm going to do what makes me feel comfortable that's a very uh, okay uh, if a three-piece suit makes you comfortable or if uh, faded jeans and torn jeans not faded jeans but all jeans fade but torn jeans and the you know the rough ruffian uh, gangster look and all this stuff that's immodest and it's not conducive to spirituality whatsoever it's just uh, and and even churches are going to the place where they have no sense of decency or modesty and they're just not dealing with spiritual things and so you're probably not going to get very many spiritual truths when dealing with those kinds of people and so lots of things go into this uh, giving offense to Future or past generations uh, is uh, is usually going to be the result of carnality, and then of course there's exceptions to all these things, and we're going to get to all these things. We're going to talk about all these things today. We're just talking about an introduction to the book. We'll get into the book next time, and we'll begin to see these things more clearly. But from time to time, I would like you to come back and listen to this class, 30 minutes, 31 minutes now, 
And I want you to, uh, from time to time, come back and listen to this class so it will ground you as you say when you get over to chapter 3 or chapter 4 or something like that. Come back to this class and get yourself grounded again so that as we begin to deal with different topics, we don't forget that we are dealing with all of these issues in regards to the spiritual life versus the carnal life. And you'll have a much easier time digesting the book of Corinthians in that way. And so I believe that'll be a very great help and a blessing to you. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to be in this class and to hear this class. Thank you for the opportunity to teach it. And I pray, God, as it was said in Romans chapter 1, that that some spiritual benefit, some spiritual blessing would be imparted to those that hear it. God, use it for your glory and for your honor, God. And help us, O God, as we uh, go into this book, as we journey into this book, O God, help us to see it as we ought to see it, and th- then to, uh, after having hid the Word of God in our heart, to be able to see our lives and the lives of our loved ones and the lives of our uh, church mates and church members, God, to uh, see things as they ought to see them in a spiritual way, in a, in a very uh, spiritual light. And we'll thank you and praise you for all you do. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen.